In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Chloe, I didn't see you. I didn't think we had any kids that, that age group. You want to come forward? Okay, you stay there then. So there, there were these two grandmothers, Norma and Sonia, who were talking about their grandchildren just right after the holidays. And Norma said, you know, my daughter-in-law, she stopped making my grandchildren send their thank you notes. Each year I send the grandchildren a card and a very generous check. And I always received a lovely thank you note. However, since my daughter-in-law stopped making them write these thank you notes, I never hear from them. Sonia said, well, my daughter-in-law, she never made my grandkids send thank you notes. And I too send a very generous check every year. However, for the past several years, I hear from them within a week after they receive it. In fact, they each pay me a personal visit. And Norma remarked, wow, I wish, I wish they would do that with me. And Sonia said, you can make that happen, Norma. Norma asked, how? Sonia said, simple, do what I do. Don't sign the check. One more? Okay. <laughs> One day an employee, an employee came to work with both of his ears bandaged. And I don't know what difference this makes, but he, he went to this little school up here on Highway 6. And um, his boss asked him, his boss asked him, what happened to his ear? The man said, well, yesterday I was ironing my shirt and the telephone rang and I accidentally answered the iron instead of the phone. And the boss said, well, that explains one ear. What about the other? The man said, well, they called back. <laughs> and again, I don't know what that school over here on Highway 6 has to do with that. But You know, I've always been fascinated by the wise men, as, even as a young child. Uh, whenever there was a Christmas play, I wanted to be one of the wise men. I didn't want to be one of those stinking shepherds because they got bathrobes and towels on their head. But the wise men, they had crowns and jewels and flashy robes, and that's what I always wanted to be. So who were these wise men? Well, the Bible doesn't give us a lot of detail about who they really were in fact, we know less about them than almost any of the other people in the whole nativity scene. For instance, we don't really know who they were. They were called magi in the Bible, and a magi was a person who was kind of a combination astronomer, scientist, doctor, philosopher. So they must have been pretty wise. They're probably well-educated, more than likely, they were very wealthy. We don't know where they came from. The Bible just says they came from the east. So they could have come from Persia, from India, from China. We don't really know. We do know that they had to cross the Middle Eastern desert 
and that the trip probably took maybe four to six months to get to Israel. We've always thought that there were three wise men, but the Bible doesn't tell us that. The Bible says, out of the treasure chest, they gathered three gifts to give to the Christ child. And because there were three gifts, people assume that there must have been three magi. But there could have been as many as a dozen. In fact, the magi, the wise men, they often traveled together in caravans. And because they were wealthy, they could have had a small army with them for protection. What we do know about the wise men is what they did. They were seekers of God. They were seeking after truth. And they did three things that caused them to find God. And for those of us here this morning who have a strong desire to seek after the truth, if we will do the same three things that the wise men did, we too will come closer to God. The first thing they did was they sought the truth. And if we come closer to God, we've got to seek the truth. We've got to go after it. We've got to take it seriously. As I've always said, discipleship is a lifelong process. It's not just something that happened in Sunday school when you were a little boy or girl. It's not because you just come to church every week, which is a good thing. But discipleship is a lifelong process of seeking the truth. Now, there's a big difference between being a seeker and being a speculator. Speculators are people who say things like, well, I think God is like, or my idea of God is. You know what I have to say to that? Who cares what your idea of God is or my idea of God is? Who sets us up to be the authority. We know where the authority comes from. Seekers are people who diligently search for the truth. They search for the answers. They don't just make assumptions. They take the time and the effort to find the truth. And that's what the wise men did. The gospel says, after Jesus' birth, wise men from the east, they arrived in Jerusalem asking where is the child born to be king of the Jews? We observed his star rising and have come to worship him. Now notice in this verse, we can see three things that these wise seekers did. First, they watched what was happening in the world. They were observant. They saw a star that was different in the sky and they were alert to it. Second, they asked questions. They started asking around, what does this sign mean? Where is it? Where do we go from here? And third, they did whatever it took to find the answer. Christians, I encourage you to do the same. Do whatever it takes to find out the truth about why are we here? Why am I here? Where am I going? Is there a God? Does God care about me? You know, these guys were pagans from some foreign country. They were not believers, but they were seeking, and they found Jesus. 
And again, it probably took them four to six months to get there, which revealed a very serious commitment to searching for the truth. You know, the problem with, I think, many of us today is that we all want to know the truth, but we don't want to take the time to find it. We all want to know God, but we don't want to take the time to find out about God. We don't want to spend time with God, and to me, that is a tragedy. The most tragic thing in life is to go all through life never figuring out why I am here, never figuring out what is the reason, what is the meaning of my life. And that, folks, is a wasted life. Now, the good news is this. God wants us to get to know him. He wants to have a relationship with us. Notice what he promises in Jeremiah 29, verse 13. When you search for me with all your heart, you will find me. That's a great promise. That's great news. God wants us to know him. He wants us to love him, to trust him, to follow him, to have a relationship with him. That's what the incarnation of God is all about, that revelation. That's why we celebrate Christmas. So the first thing the wise men did was they sought the truth. The second thing they did was they followed the star. We can enjoy the fact that God wants to help us to get to know him. So what does he do? He gives us a sign. He always does to those who seek after him. He gives us a sign, a clue, a travel guide so that we can find him. He's not going to leave us out there all by ourselves. In the case of the wise men, their travel guide was a star, a very special star. It settled right over the home where Jesus and Mary and Joseph were. And the only people, to our knowledge, who actually saw the star were the wise men. Maybe not, but to our knowledge, it was only the wise men. It was a special star custom made. And the fact is, God does this quite often. Whether all through history, God has different kinds of instruments to get people's attention. The opening of the Red Sea, right? The manna coming down from heaven. The pillar of fire by night, cloud by day. God has always given different kinds of signs. He always supplies us with clues, with a travel guide, with a star. And chances are you have a star in your life. You may never have recognized it, but God put it there to bring you to him. That star may be a book you've read, say perhaps the Bible, right? That leads you to God, that reveals God to you. Or maybe a person you know, or an experience you've had, or a movie, perhaps. It may be some event, maybe may even be church. Let's pray and hope so. I have no doubt that God has brought people across your path in order to be a travel guide to bring you to him. It may be a believing parent or perhaps a spouse, a wife or a husband or a neighbor or a friend 
or somebody at work or maybe even a child. But God does not leave us without a travel guide. He brings these people into our lives so that we can see where he wants us to be headed. So what's the star in your life? I want you to use that star. Take advantage of it. Don't just let it be there. Let it lead you to God to find the answers in your life. Use that star. Now, I know that we have all been through a very tough couple of years, and we're still going through it with this pandemic and all. Some of you may have had marriage problems. Some of you have gone through divorces. Maybe you've had problems with your children or problems with your health or maybe financial problems. Or maybe your goals and dreams, they just didn't match up. But think about this. Maybe God is trying to get your attention, even in the middle of all of this mess, Maybe your pain is your star. It could be. So they sought the truth. They followed the star. The third thing they did was they recognized the gift. They recognized who this baby really was. What makes this baby any different from any other Baby, You know, hundreds, maybe thousands of babies were born on that same night across the world 2,000 years ago. Why do we split history into A.D. and B.C. over the birth of this one baby? What makes him so different? Well, the Bible tells us this baby is God. God came to earth in human form so that we could get to know him, be brought back to him. St. Paul says in his letter to the church at Colossae, Christ is the exact likeness of the unseen God. He existed before God made anything at all. And in fact, excuse me, in fact, Christ himself is the creator who made everything in heaven and earth. That baby created you and me. That's the amazing thing about Christmas, that God would so humble himself and become one of us and put himself in the hands of normal human beings as an innocent, helpless little child. Folks, we've got to recognize the gift. So what is it that you're searching for? Some people say, I just want to be happy. That's not bad. That's good. Some people say, I just want my kids to grow up safe. We all want that, don't we? Some people say, I just want to feel loved. That's right. We want to. What is it that you're really searching for in life? I want to feel like my life counts. Don't we all? I want to feel that there's a meaning to all of this. I want to feel good about life. And that's wonderful. But beneath all of these desires is an even deeper desire. It is a hungering for God. You were made 
by him with an empty hole in your heart that only God can fill. He made you to have a relationship with him and until that is in place, nothing else in this world is going to satisfy it. Stop searching for happiness in everything else. It starts with your creator. Only he can fill that emptiness. The end of the story in Matthew's gospel says that after they had seen Christ and given the gifts, it says they went home another way. And I think there's a double meaning to those words, another way. They went home another way geographically, and we know why, because of Herod. But I think they also went home another way as changed people. You cannot come into an encounter with Jesus Christ, with the living God, and experience his unconditional love and forgiveness and remain unchanged. It changes you. I mean, it really changes you. And you're never the same again. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.